Welcome back to another very special episode of the Gradient Podcast. It's me, your favorite one-third of Gradient, the host. Everyone already knows the hostess with the mostest, Jaden. And we're just happy to be back to you guys. Um, so per usual, we like to start with our grading Q&A segment. And this one comes from at Raphael underscore Powell 232 on Twitter, who says, Armand, what do they say? Uh, the question is in regards to um, a research prompt we had in our AP research class, where in which I asked if the psychology of colors on a NBA sports team jersey affects their overall performance based on emotions derived from that color. Now, immediately, your least favorite third of gradient, Evan, bombarded me with an absolute incredible amount of criticism. Where is your data on this? <laughs> Favorite well, one third, least favorite one third. I want to see facts behind this. Listen, the, we know what the people want, Evan, okay? I digress, though. However, I feel like I am entirely justified in ridiculing that research question. I don't want to call it stupid. But it's I, stupid. Actually, no. yeah, yeah, it's stupid. Um, no offense to you, Armand, um, but a research question is a very important part of AP of AP seminar research. It is like the it's the entirety of your paper. It's everything that the that the uh, that your um everything everything that that your work is based upon, and researching into how like the color of a sport jersey affects like how good of a team they are. It just seems like completely like useless. I don't see any reason to actually. Like need to research this. No offense to you, Armand. No, I, I, You're I totally a very capable person. Some of the time, at least. All of the time, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, what's your class rank? Oh, that's what I thought. Already oh, no, <laughs> no, but honestly, Armand, I'm gonna no, be real no. with you. Let, let me let me put my point in. Okay, fine. You can get a point in. I need to refute. go ahead. Okay. You know, rebuttal or whatever. Rebut. Okay. Um, my my, my whole uh, like justification behind my research was I wanted to quantify the reasoning behind the whole notion of a team just having a bad day and not performing as well and I, I wanted to like there's no previous study on it but I, I wanted to see at least because I thought it'd be interesting if there was any correlation between the team's color to the amount of bad days they've had where in comparison to their their sort of like statistical projection of how good they were supposed to perform comparatively to how they actually performed and I, I do understand that there's a lot of excess factors coming along with it but i just wanted to pitch it to the class to see if it was like able or like sort of had any ability to extend beyond that into actually something so that's why that's where that came from some unfortunate news so, so, so i think what we learned today is it was not able and there was yeah. no extension was to not it there's not really but <laughs> i think i think some, sometimes you really need to never really actually want to make that jump you know like from conclusion jump from one thing to another you know from team for performance in sports to jersey color but a jump you can make is to talk about the topic of today's episode the return of sports fantastic transition thank you i try perfect couldn't have been better <laughs> so the first thing we actually want to talk about is the nba the nba is back well it's been back for a little bit yeah, you know everybody's in the bubble so armand what are your thoughts we are now in the conference finals, and before we start, can either of you two name the four teams in the conference finals? Okay, I th I actually think I can. I know you have the I Heat might be able to. and the Celtics, right? Right? Yeah, I know the Heat because like you were in Florida, <laughs> you, you got it at the Heat. The Heat have and been I, doing I, pretty good. Like we're not ready yeah, to talk and, and about. And I know, that. I know, Hero has been so clutch alongside Bam Adebayo with that incredible block last night. Oh my god, I, I saw that. Yes, I know, I know, I know the names you're saying. I, I, I understand 100%. <laughs> right, but yeah, so I, I know the Heat, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that, like, that's the Eastern. Celtics are playing the Heat, right? Yeah, that's Eastern, yeah. Um, 
Colts? I, that's not a. Is that a? I no. don't think that's a the team. Colts are um, in the NFL, much. <laughs> the Yankees, right? They're like <laughs> basketball, right? It's actually, Tiger Woods. <laughs> oh wait, see, wait what map like, are they second, on again? My, my second guess was, was Michael Phelps or, or, or like, or like Usain Bolt, but Tiger Woods <laughs> makes sense. Uh, it's actually the Denver Nuggets, uh, with, led by Clippers against. No, not the Clippers. They okay. just beat the Clippers in the conference semifinals against oh. the Los Angeles Lakers with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we we have those matchups in the West and the East. And you can see now that the Heat won the first game after uh, not a shutout. It was a very close game, and we were down by a lot. But thankfully, the boys pulled through uh, thanks to an incredible block by Bam, Bam Adebayo, um, a, a three by um, Jimmy Butler taking us into overtime. And uh, apparently on the Boston Celtics, Marcus Smart came out with an unprecedented amount of points that certainly wasn't expected based on his previous performance. And on the other side of things, you have Jamal Murray, who's been consistently putting up a lot of points per game in the bubble. And this was also unprecedented considering his um, not as good of stats before the NBA bubble. Why do you think this is, guys? Well, I, we're, we're all Florida natives, so, you know, he have had some rough years before, but they're definitely starting to show their stride now. And I don't know, I think it just speaks to just how, like, good they are in the moment. They're very clutch when they need to be. And the fact that they can continuously deliver such performances, I think is just really impressive. Like it shows the level of coaching they've had and just the like their commitment to win the whole thing, which I think is really inspiring for the future. Jaden, uh, be honest with me. How much of that do you actually like believe? <laughs> well, uh, okay. I like genuinely, I sort of tuned out um, when it comes to basketball for a couple of years, but I slowly started to get back into it, right? I want and, to put out there really quick in our notes when we were putting down at the Heat One Game One. <laughs> Jaden put Map One. This is only anything competitively gaming wise is Overwatch. <laughs> but but like you know sometimes you do slip up like that. But but regardless, right? I, I definitely think like I I've seen the transition like the Heat have made between like uh, seasons, right? And I think just in general like the performance they've shown in this playoff. Like, is something that, like, Heat fans can be proud of. I have a theory suggesting as to why the Heat have been outperforming any expectations. Wait, can I guess? Uh, yeah. Is it their jersey color? It's not their <laughs> jersey color, but I think oh, okay. th this one is nearly as much of a stretch. But it might hold some, uh, like, reality to the situation. See, the Heat, the Heat, aside from a select one or two players, have come from not nowhere near as like talented backgrounds and like high level college playing fields or previous like of anything right you have like kendrick nunn who went undrafted and you have duncan robinson players like that who are very key role players on the team who aren't used to playing or who are used to playing in front of no crowd without any audience cheering them on so this is this is something that they've done their whole past careers and it's not something you've seen all these high level players that we're playing against like lebron james and anthony davis who have come from college, uh, LeBron James didn't go to college basketball, but they've, they've come from like backgrounds in sports where they've been so famous and popular and so many people came to watch them. And I think this is just a whole different playing field for them, if that makes sense, and something that the Heat might be used to. So Evan, I want to ask you specifically, right? <laughs> um, like we, based on like how we've seen the Heat play like in, ple in previous games, right? And how we've seen the Heat play last night from when we recorded this what do you think the final scoreline for the uh, eastern conference finals is going to be 
Four line? Excuse me? You mean the, the, the series? Yeah. You know what I mean. I'm going to be <laughs> honest with you. Um, I don't follow basketball at all. However... I'm saying bring back those brooms. We're going 4 now against the Celtics. <laughs> However, I do think that given the Heat's matchup with the Celtics, especially on maps like Hanamura <laughs> and Lee Jing Tower... <laughs> Can either of you name a single player on the Celtics? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but getting back on topic, I, I really don't know anything about basketball. I'm not going to be like, I'm, I'm going to be blunt here. Basketball is not something I follow. Um, to be honest, sports in general is not something I follow. Evan, Evan is an avid uh, badminton observer. <laughs> oh, I, I, love, I love me some badminton. Oh my oh, God. Which one's that one <laughs> It's the one with the ball with the little net thingy on the back. Oh, and you, like, the, 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 the what do they call it? A birdie? Yeah. I don't think so. It's like, shuttlecock. Like they that. call it something. It's a shuttlecock. It's yeah. a shuttlecock. Yeah. Yeah. yeah See, we're all yeah. badminton fanatics around yeah. here. It's like it's real like badminton fans only. <laughs> it's like tennis's like better cousin, little brother. <laughs> no, I'm gonna have to be honest here. Badminton is where it's at. Okay, tennis can't compare. See, see, one of one of the sports I do really enjoy watching, uh, especially um, at the Olympics, is competitive ping pong, um, because mainly uh, seeing like like two like grown Chinese guys just like hitting it back and forth. Duh, duh, duh. You have to I assume they're Chinese. Oh my God, we're canceled. Okay, okay. let me let me clarify. The China, okay, China has has historically been one of the top countries in competing in ping pong. It's like China, the United States, and um, I don't remember. Like, there's like, 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 they, like China and the United States have consistently probably Taiwan. Ranked... I'm not quite sure, but I know like yeah. Taiwan. Like China and the United States know? have consistently ranked the top in, in, in the top of, in the top echelons of of competitive ping pong. So when I say that, I'm not trying to be like like stereotypical here. Like this, this I have there's some like statistical backing, but yeah, but like seeing like two guys going out just like like throw like throwing their their ping pong paddles back and forth. Who who who? I think it's absolutely fantastic to watch. I think it's it you is know, a blast played... to watch. I've played competitive ping pong since I was little. I swear on everything. I have a table downstairs in my house right now. See, I know you juggle, but you never talked about your your history of competitive ping pong. Well, you want, you want, you Man, want to Man, so that? talented. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I competed at a, um, a, it's like a religious group tournament of um, under 16 division. When I was 13, I got second place, which I think is a little bit of a flex. But, uh, you know, we're going to put it out there. I've played ping pong since I was little. I've been coached professionally for a little bit. Nobody and, does it like Armand. Yeah, Armand just built different. Player, I'm just built different. <laughs> speaking of built He's different, just built different. Speaking of built different, let's talk about all these amazing NFL players. And boom, back at it again with another amazing transition. Fantastic transitions. Of course, that's master. so hard. All right, to bring in some new uh, news on the NFL. The NFL is back. Back up. Yeah, the NFL back. is back. Yes. Uh, week one kicked off last Thursday. Uh, we have uh, a bunch of new things happening in the league right now. We have Tom Brady transferring over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, bringing with him out of retirement old tight end and close friend Robert Gronkowski, avid party enthusiast. <laughs> uh, we also have Stefan Goskowski, the old uh, kicker for the Patriots, and what should be a Hall of Famer, missed three field goals in an extra point again, uh, on the Tennessee Titans, almost costing them the game. And in other news in the NFL, you have – the Los Angeles Rams Stadium uh, being built, the SoFi Stadium, I think it's already completed. It's uh, $5 billion is what cost the, for the stadium to be built, which is 
over three billion more than the next closest stadium in cost. Any thoughts? Yeah, hold on. Well, first things first. At this point, we should just be on. The, we we should just become a weekly sports podcast. <laughs> Armand Armand knows his stuff. Uh, yeah. Um. But yeah, like NFL's back. Um. I'm not entirely sure. I know they're not taking as many precautions as the NBA is. If I'm, am I, no am I right they're not in a bubble, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, there's no bubble. Um. So like, there's a little. There's a lot of concern there. Um. I know most stadiums aren't allowing. Um. Like like attendees, but there are stadiums that do have uh, that do have like uh, uh, fans in the stands. Um, although social distance, I, I, I'm assuming, I'm hoping if they're not. That's a that's a big problem. That's on you know we, go, we can talk about that later. Oh yeah, but like yeah, but like you know, the NFL football as a whole is you know a long-standing American tradition, and so uh, you know it being back. I mean, I know like like from personal experience, my dad was like ecstatic to see it back. He was like he, like, he couldn't wait. Um, it's 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 a it's a it's a long-rooted American tradition. People are were just happy to see it back. So yeah i i mean yeah the nfl is back um same old nfl though the dolphins still you know lose to the patriots but what can you do as football's back i have a couple thoughts for you guys on uh the nfl being back do you think the season will be able to progress into completion based on the covid restrictions or will there some be any situation where they would have to shut down or temporarily uh discontinue their games of some sort such as the nba did and uh, that, that's the first question, if you guys or are also on top of it. Uh, do you think we would see a prevalent amount of players deciding to opt out as the season progresses? And how may that Im- impact the season as a whole? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think given uh, the lack thereof of restrictions, I would not find it surprising. Excuse me. <clears throat> I, would not find it, I would not find it surprising whatsoever if uh, there are... Uh, outbreaks in either like teams or maybe even like it, unfortunately like it could, it could possibly be where like stadiums could have outbreaks where like the two teams that competed there transmitted to like one another um i would not be surprised uh honestly um and i think if they're not if if they don't take the necessary precautions that that they aren't as of right now like there's going to be issues and yeah I, I could definitely see it like postponing um the season for however long it, it needs to I definitely agree with Evan here. I mean, we see like, you know, the NBA specifically, they have taken precautions, right? And when you don't take these precautions, so many things could definitely go wrong for the NFL. And if teams start to catch COVID-19 and like an outbreak happens again, A, that's really bad for, you know, us trying to cope, deal with COVID-19 as a whole. But what that means for NFL is you're going to see a lot of players in theory, not wanting to take the risk of playing anymore so you don't catch COVID-19, right? You're going to see, I would assume, like, games to be shut down. Maybe the season is, again, postponed to cope with these conditions. And in my opinion, things like this could definitely be avoided if you take those precautions before. You know, it's always better to be safe than sorry. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure there are already players who are already opting out from competing. Um, oh, yeah. I know, yeah, like, at, at least professionally, I know, like, um, college football has also started up. And there are um, college football players who are opting out, and so this, this is going to be an effect on, on a well. yeah. There's going to be an effect on their possible future careers in the in the, in the professional leagues. So yeah, I mean, like there's going there's going to be a lot of there's a lot of issues, you know, surrounding COVID um, in general, but like a lot, specifically with sports, there's a lot of a lot of concerns that that definitely need to be addressed. I think the the, the fact that the opting out might happen and players getting sick can add a whole new dimension to the unpredictability of how the season progresses. Uh, Sports analytics will take an entire new side of things because 
as hard as it as hard as it is to predict the the finals of like the Super Bowl or any NBA championship, it's gonna have have a, have a whole new dynamic to it now. And I think we also have to bring on the responsibility of players as a whole new thing to take an account for for how the team does as like how the team does in their performance because we're we're so often see all these players whose whole persona is built on partying and going out and having fun, and now if they continue to do it, they might hinder the the performance of their team and. Uh, I think accountability of players is incredibly, incredibly important as this goes on. And we have to take into account that how the NFL or even the NBA um, sort of sets a precedent for how they run can also impact how college and high school sports gets played. Because if, if we have the NFL shut down, uh, it, it's not a hard, it's not a, it's a reasonable accusation saying that high school sports will also take that into account and sort of postpone their seasons as well. And I know that has an impact on the future of many student players and student athletes going into their futures. I think, yeah, the success of the league definitely just depends on how well the organizations and the league as a whole, right, are able to adjust to this new environment. Um, specifically, you know, with COVID-19 and everything, there definitely are going to be some issues that like occur, but people need, if people are able to adjust to it and sort of take steps in the right direction to keep people safe, I think you're not gonna there's gonna be a lot lower chance of having an actual issues now armand you were really passionate about naomi osaka tell us a little more so naomi osaka a uh, girlfriend of ybn corday one of my favorite rappers by the way um she just won the us open and now she's been a, an icon in the uh, the movement for social justice in her sports being as though she wore seven different masks in all of her games with the names of different victims of police brutality wearing there and the fact that she won and um she she ranked higher than player like such iconic players like serena williams really puts a spotlight onto her fight against social justice and that was the highlight of the u.s open uh thoughts on that guys i think like the fact that we see athletes taking a stance for to push for justice in america is a really bright it, it really shows that we are headed in the right direction right we don't know how, how long it's going to take. It's going to take a long time. We don't know how quickly we're going to get there. But the fact that we are taking steps in the right direction is promising for, and it should be promising for all Americans to see that the people, that issues with race in America are no longer being silenced, right? And people are no longer afraid to speak out. When you see big name figures, big name organizations like the NBA, the NFL, uh, Naomi Osaka taking a stance I'm like I personally am inspired, and I hope that people all around this country are inspired as well to realize that now is the time for change. She has received a significant amount of backlash for her actions, which we here at the Gradient Podcast fully support uh, athletes of any kind using their platform to speak on what they're passionate about. But she has received a lot of backlash with the statement to keep politics out of sports, and I don't know how I feel about that. Guys. Yeah, see that that's where I have issue, right? Um. The whole uh, notion of like keeping politics out of sports, uh, to me, I think that's just silly. Um, first things first, uh, we, like it's we all know like the um, the NBA, the NFL, most like sport uh, sporting organizations, there is a high number of African Americans and, and, and Black individuals, and so with this with like the social um, movements surrounding like Black Americans. Of course, those in those the Black Americans in those organizations, they're gonna have 
they're they're going to speak out. Um, but the the notion that like sports has like suddenly like like became political, how like like once Colin Kaepernick took the knee back in was like twenty seven twenty sixteen, right? Um, like once once he did that, like sports became political. It's it's absolutely um, facetious. Uh, you, you guys have probably seen uh, the picture of back in like nineteen. It was like 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 the late nineteen sixties, where um, uh, two African American uh, U.S. Olympian runners they, uh, they 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 got first and second place, and um, on the podium uh, during the Star Spickled Banner, they they raised their fists with the, with with the, with the black of over it. And, and this was back. This was this was this was the late sixties. Um, like during uh, you know, the height of the uh, of the the civil rights movement, so to uh, to say that in, in, in this 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 uh, this moment was historical. I mean, this this was like like one of the biggest moments we've ever seen in the Olympics and sports in, in, in general. And so the the notion that that like sports isn't political that you know we we got to keep politics out of sports. I think it's I think it's completely silly. Um, historically, like politics and sports have always had some kind of connection, and especially nowadays with how prevalent you know, like uh, movements surrounding the social issues of Black Americans are, and how many, and how and how and the uh, the large amount of Black Americans in these sports organizations. To say that we should take politics out of sports and that they should be like completely separate is, I think, completely silly. I think the government as a whole, or not just sorry, not the government, but society as a whole owes a massive apology to Colin Kaepernick. I know you brought it up, but uh, he was the, I think the first like super notable in the US at least um, sort of influence of social justice in sports. And his stance on it sort of took him out of the league entirely. It sort of uh, was, a, was a detriment to his career. And now it's become so prevalent and he was such a catalyst in that movement. He was such a, a pioneer in the fight for social justice long before it's it's present time and it's like sort of what's the word I'm looking for? Poignant. Yeah. You you probably remember uh, a couple of years like a couple of years ago, not too long ago, when Colin Kaepernick did that Nike ad, and you had those people on Twitter who thought it'd be a good idea to like burn their Nikes because they just like Colin Kaepernick. That kind of that kind of those, those kind of actions, I think, are just are, they're stupid. Um, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's it's disgusting. Um, this guy is fighting for what he believes is right, and 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 we've seen that like 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 what he what he's fighting for is definitely an issue. And so to, to like burn your shoes because you don't like his political stance and like oh we got to keep got to keep politics out of sports. It's it's yeah, it's disgusting. The issue I have is I don't think the fight for racial justice in America was ever a political thing. It. I don't think it ever was and it ever should be, right? It's more, not a fight about politics, it's a fight for equal rights, something that was promised to people centuries ago, right? It shouldn't be a political issue, because that when the more you think about it, it's a basic ask that people are asking for. And it shouldn't be politicized, because when you politicize any issue, it's going to divide people and tear people apart. At the end of the day, you just need to realize, and I think it's important that people realize, that what these people are fighting for is not something that that they don't they shouldn't already have it's something that they were promised and they're just fighting for the chance to exercise their right to be free and equal in america and there you're gonna have a lot of controversy nonetheless over this issue but still it's the most important thing that racial justice in america should not and should never be a politicized topic mm -hmm. and 
if you guys, if anyone listening is new to the podcast, uh, episode, we, you, you can go back to episode three. We had an entire episode on this exact topic. So if, if you want to hear more about our personal beliefs on this issue, you can go ahead and go back to episode three. Um, now, to move over to a little bit, you know, something different. Um, let's talk about the obstacles that America and sports leagues are going to see trying to rebuild in this new COVID-19 era. And I think the first issue we have is going to be how do you play sports where everyone is in close contact contact and in what ways you try and prevent COVID-19 and personally I think that the NBA did a really good job with their the idea of the bubble where players are isolated and it makes it harder for people to you know contract the disease and there's less contact between people as a whole right I think sports leagues can definitely take inspiration from that what do you guys think there's a very thin line between the uh, the ability to successfully reincorporate fans into sports leagues like the NFL and keeping everyone safe at the same time. And th there needs to be some sort of implementation or algorithm of some sort to de determine the, the right time and the right amount of people able to join back into the stadiums and go back into sports full swing. And uh, that also has to go into um, account for, I know, um, before a lot of NFL games, people like to barbecue outside the stadium, have like uh, the family time with friends and stuff. Yeah, tailgating, and yeah. Tailgating, yeah. There needs to be some sort of regulation of some, some sort on doing that. Because not only when, when you think about fans joining the stadiums and coming back, things like that have a lot of out effects too. So it's not as simple as putting the seats as far apart from each other or uh, the amount of people allowed in, there's a lot of more stuff that the NFL teams and organizations have to take into account to ensure their fan base is safe and their mm -hmm. players. I think what the, NBA, what the NBA did with the bubble was, you know, a great idea. It really does uh, help um, How uh, alleviate the concerns. How feasible is another bubble for more sports, though? Because, like, the NBA was lucky enough to have, like, Disney World, like, pitch in for that to happen. Um it, it's a lot of money and it's a lot of it's a lot of different mm -hmm. things moving around and it, it's not something so simple it's just like oh make a bubble yeah, so what, what i was getting at though was that um when when you compare the sizes of like the nba to the nfl um the number of pe the number of people on on the nfl teams um uh, like like really ex like exceeds the number of people on the nba teams and so having a a well regulated bubble is going to be very difficult so I don't. So that's why I think it's not very feasible to have a bubble, at least for NFL. Um, I know at the NBA, I know the um, the uh, MLB is back as well, although I'm not entirely sure on like like on like what they've been doing. Um, but I think because of how not contactless, but less contact there is in baseball, I think uh, with the with, with the MLB at least, there's going to be uh, less of a concern there. I definitely think like the bubble in the NFL is definitely a lot harder to pull off, right? Is it still possible? I wouldn't doubt it, but it's definitely gonna require like a lot of adjustments from both the fans and the organizations to actually pull it off effectively, right? And whether or not they can do that, we're gonna kind of have to wait and see. I personally don't think that the NFL will be able to have a full conclusive season. Season, I think nearing the halfway point or even a little bit further, there's going to be so many problems. It just it's just the most reasonable thing to temporarily like hold it off. There's just it's so difficult for to 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 keep the the, the players separated and healthy, like the, in the NBA. I think that's a really great point, Armand. But next, we are very excited to bring you 
um, a really special interview. We're so happy that we got the chance to do it. We're very lucky, and we're so happy that you guys all get the opportunity to see it. So, Armand, take it away. Now on the Gradient Podcast, we have former NFL O-lineman, three-time pro bowler, and he played for the Miami Dolphins and what is now the Washington football team. First of all, do you have any thoughts on the newly named football team? Well, I think uh, I'm kind of glad they did it in this day and age. You've got to be able to change with the times. And even though I played for the Washington football team under the old name, and I actually have my my helmet sitting in my my trophy room, uh, I respect the name change and completely understand it. That's awesome. Now, I want to bring up the fact that you played around the likenesses of some of the greatest NFL players of all time, uh, namely Dan Marino. Uh, are you still in contact with him today? I still remain friends. You know, one of the great things about the Dolphin team and the Dolphin organization is we're a tight-knit group of guys, number one. Number two is South Florida. Who doesn't want to live in South Florida? So you actually have a ton of NFL players who make South Florida their home. So the organization's good, and they really treat former players well. We, we pretty bond, you know, we pretty well bond together pretty closely. So, yes, we're friends. Every time I get back to South Florida, I do an event, I, de I definitely bump into Dan. Awesome. Uh, before I pass it on to them, I just have one question that I really want to ask. I don't know if it was around when you played football, but do NFL players, if you know of, play fantasy football? I, I wasn't around when I was an active player. Do current players play? I'm sure they do. I mean, I have my own fantasy football team. I play with my own family, that kind of thing. Right. But I think it makes it just more interesting for everybody to play. You know how tight players are or how how affected they are by their Madden ratings. So if they're affected by their Madden ratings, you I was gotta believe they're following themselves on fantasy football. I was gonna ask you too, if you ever had a Madden card when it was there. I did, I, uh, my last year was 2000 and, uh, 2000, and I was in the early Madden games, yes. What was your overall when you played? No, I actually don't remember. I actually have a throwback Madden game that has me in it just for my kids so they can play it with dad. That's so cool. Game. You know. <laughs> I'm so jealous. <laughs> look, 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 there's daddy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so go ahead, Evan. Yeah. So now that uh, the football season is back in fruition, uh, do you have any uh, predictions for the Super Bowl this year? Oh, it's way too early to, to predict the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously, I watched opening night the other night with the Kansas City Chiefs, and they look like they offensively are back and on fire and, and arguably even better than they were last year. But with COVID out there, you never know how that's going to affect the team. You know, Patrick Mahomes, unfortunately, happens to get her some of that. That could severely affect the Chiefs. You never know what's going to happen with the Saints, Tom Brady's movement. So I think we have to wait for this to pan out for a couple of weeks, especially because – because the players didn't have any training camp or a lot of live action, you'll probably see a lot of soft tissue injuries, particularly to the fast guys, hamstring pulls, maybe some ankle twists. And those key players, if they're out for any length of time, could really affect the team's ability, not only make the playoffs, but, but go deep into the playoffs. So, so health always plays like a, a pretty big role when it comes to the football season. Do you think it's going to play a, a much larger role than, than ever precedented before? I think this season in particular, Will, you're, you're correct. Health can make or break a team. I mean, you saw, you know, if you, if you go back to when the Patriots went undefeated until they lost in the Super Bowl, they played a New York Giants football team who I think barely made the playoffs oh, 9-7 and who the most of their defensive line was injured. 
And we always know, hey, if you got a team down, you want to bury them because you don't want to let them get healthy and get on a roll. The New York Giants proved once you get your team back to full strength, you can beat anybody on any given Sunday. Yeah, Eli Manning went ham that game. I remember watching it live, and that's when I first started getting into football. I was just amazed by it. Yeah, it was a fun game to watch. It, it was him and Victor Cruz running that team, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, now, I want to bring up the fact real quick. I played high school football last year, right? Okay. I, not anymore. I'm not very good. I want you to guess what position I played. Well, I don't want to belittle you and say you were a kicker. Oh, no, I wasn't. <laughs> I played no, those, those aren't really players. Oh, I mean, they are. Uh, I would probably say – see, I don't know. It's hard to tell your, your – I'll tell my build. Um, I'm 5'8 and weigh 130 pounds. Holy moly. I would guess wide receiver then. Yeah, I was um, uh, a bench wide receiver. Yeah, uh, third string JV wide yeah, receiver. More like a bench warmer, am I right? <laughs> That's okay. You were still on the team and you probably helped your team win. Yeah. You know, I, I played in the spring game for like a uh, drive. But, <laughs> you know, I threw a nasty block on that corner. I'm going to let you know. <laughs> You can't play wide receiver. You don't know how to block. Of course, of course. Now, um, hold on. I have something here we wanted to ask. Um, oh, what are your thoughts on the Dolphins' draft and their new, new uh, younger core coming into this season? With Michael well, Bailoa, of course. First of all, I support Brian Flores, the head coach. I'm 100% behind him and what the organization's plans are for the first time in a long time. And, and trust me, all Dolphin alumni have been frustrated with the last 15 or 20 years of mediocrity. I mean, not being more than an eight and eight football team. While you see other teams around the league go up and down and win Super Bowls and rebuild has been extremely frustrating for the entire Dolphin alumni organization, as well as all the fans. But we believe in the plan. I think hiring Brian Flores was a right step, you know, drafting our quarterback, which I, I got my fingers crossed that he is going to be the answer to the heir apparent 20 years later to Dan Marino. I think Tua is going to be the guy to help build this organization moving forward. And as you know, as a former offensive lineman, I am a firm believer of investing and building in the trenches both offensive line and defensive line. Now it's up to those guys to develop. And I want to put a little bit of caution out there, particularly with the young offensive linemen. When I was drafted as a second-round pick, they drafted a left tackle, Richmond Webb, as a first-round pick. We played together for eight and a half years side-by-side. Side. We played every single snap of preseason. Four preseason football games, we got three plays off. That got us ready to start opening day. These young rookies who are starting now are at a major disadvantage. Not only do they not have preseason, but they don't have the level of contact that we had in my day of playing. And things happen so much faster in the NFL. I don't care if you're an All-American in college and won an Outland Trophy. It's a lot different stepping from the college field to the NFL field. So they're going to have some growing pains as they get adjusted to the speed, the physicality of the NFL. So I think in time should bold very well for the Dolphins organization. So about the Dolphins specifically, right? You said the Super Bowl is too far away, which is completely understandable. But what about Patriots versus Finns? Nice. The, the game we're watching today that's on the team, I think, you know, you look at the Dolphins and, and any time you play a division game, this is what people have to understand. When you're in division, those games are usually a lot tougher than out of the division because you scout each other, you play each other twice a year, and organizations build their teams 
to win the division first. Coach Shula preached it. Coach Johnson preached it. I know Coach Flores preaches it. You win your division, you're automatically in the playoffs, and you automatically have a home football game. So that's how organizations are built. So a lot of times you've seen over the last three years where the Dolphins have split with the Patriots, where the Patriots clearly were a better football team, it's because you match up better because you're built that way. So I, th I think the Dolphins have a great chance to beat the Patriots up there today. It's a tough place to, to play, but they match up pretty well with the Patriots. And the Patriots have their own issues players opting out due to COVID. They've got free agency defections, those kind of things. So they're trying to, uh, for the first time in two decades, they're trying to figure out a brand new quarterback. So they have their own issues they're going to have to overcome as well. So we've and, uh, seen... Uh, only, oh, sorry. Go for it. So we've seen a lot, like, in sports recently beyond the NFL, you know, in the NBA and other sports organizations that um, these teams are taking steps to be progressive and taking steps to be activists against these issues that we see in America. How do you feel about that? I 100% support it. I'm thrilled to see it. I want to see the league get more behind the players. I want to see them understand the social injustice. I mean, as a former player, I, I can tell you I've had a minimum of 100-plus conversations with people about the NFL players kneeling. And for myself and my own personal history, I wish we were doing it back then, but the players are more empowered today. Their contracts give them that power. When you have tens of millions of dollars guaranteed money, the team can't just shut you up. And I'm really glad to see not only the commissioner, but owners like Stephen Ross support those particular players. But we've got to raise awareness. And I, I think the best piece of advice I can give for you and, and any fan who tries to understand, well, they're kneeling. Well, they're not disrespecting the flag. What they're doing is they're raising attention to an obvious issue that's been thrust in their face. Perfect example is a couple of years, I'm a big RVer. Uh, a couple of years ago, I took my kids to Selma, Alabama. I don't know what you guys know about Selma, Selma, Alabama, but that was the site of Bloody Sunday. I actually marched across the bridge with 10,000 other people led by Jesse Jackson to recreate that moment. Well, why did we do that? Why is that important? Because when Martin Luther King did that 50 some odd years ago, the oppression, the violence was happening to African-Americans for decades before that. But nobody cared. Until Bloody Sunday. And what made Bloody Sunday different? It's when... It was televised on the local and the national news, and that was thrust into the living rooms of every American. And they could see the injustice firsthand, and they decided, you know what, this isn't right, and helped African Americans overcome that with the Voting Rights Act. That's what the players are trying to do with kneeling, is to raise awareness for America to stand up and say, hey, this has got to stop. It's obvious a problem, and the scariest thing about it is think about all that this was happening before we all had cell phones and cell phone cameras to record this stuff. So 100% support it. I'm glad players are not only putting their time and their money behind efforts, but they are standing up unified together and asking for change. So this, uh, this more progressive movement started, of course, with Colin Kaepernick and kneeling in the NFL. Uh, but now we've seen it spread to uh, the NBA and basketball and, uh, and into baseball. Uh, do you see this becoming just a staple of, of, of sports as we know it? I think so. I think change is slow. Change is painful. Sometimes change is violent. And I think in this particular country, when African-Americans make up, what, 20% of the country, you can't change it yourself. 
We need the masses to understand, buy in, educate, and agree that something has to change. There's systematic oppression happening and things have to change. So I am thrilled to see that it's not just the NFL, that it's Major League Baseball, it's, it's uh, the NHL. It's everyone saying, hey, you know what? Enough is enough and we need to band together and make some changes. And um, thank you for that, by the way. But I, I want to take the conversation in a little bit of a different note real quick. Um, I know you played from 1990 to 2000. And I know Don Shula was the coach until 95, meaning you were um, a player under his, his authority for six years. Um, considering his recent passing, how has that affected you? And how has his leadership shaped you into the pro bowler you were in the future? Uh, that's a wonderful question. And, and Shoes, as we all who played for him calls, call him personally, he was a great man. It was a true honor to, to be drafted by Coach Shula and to play for him. And I think the, the thing that made Coach Shula stand out among all the other coaches that I've had or even that I've experienced in the NFL is he treated you like a man. He expected your best. And he would tell you. I remember when I was drafted. You know, I held out a couple days and he didn't like that. And he cursed me up and down when I went to sign my contract. And he asked me, what kind of player do you want to be? And I told him, hey, I want to be a pro bowler. And he looked me dead in the eye. No one had ever done it like this before. He said, okay, I'm going to hold you to that. Every day I expect you to be that. And he rode my butt for three and a half seasons. And back then when I got voted to the Pro Bowl, fans didn't vote. The way it was, was the head coach of every NFL team had one vote and the entire team had one vote. So you had two votes coming out of Mighty Dolphin organization and you couldn't even vote for your own players. So they would, we would bring the team together and he would announce the Pro Bowlers. And he was announcing the Pro Bowlers that year. It was, of course, Dan Marino and Rich Webb. And, and he paused for a second. And he said, I'm really happy for this guy. I want you to go call your parents. And he said, Keith Sims. And I remember a chill came down my spine because I had achieved what he and I both agreed I could achieve, and he drove me to achieve. And he treated me different from that moment forward because he knew I knew what it took to play at that level, a Pro Bowl level, and he knew I would do it for him and for my teammates and, more importantly, for myself. And uh, you said uh, you and uh, the other O-linemen were also pro bowlers, correct? I, yes. I forget his name off the top of my head. Richmond um, Webb, number 78, yeah. Yes, of course. Um, do you feel like even considering the fact that you two were both pro bowlers on the same team, that in the NFL today and even in the past, O-linemen get underappreciated compared to, like, quarterbacks or receivers or other positions that are there? Great question. I think what's, what's happened – over the years is fans don't appreciate offensive alignment as much as organizations do. And you know how you can tell that? Look at the pay structure. Left tackle is one of the highest paid positions in all of the NFL. You have quarterback, you have maybe a, a shutdown corner, maybe a pass rusher who's going to give you 10, 15 sacks a year. Then you got left tackle right up. In fact, the entire offensive line has gone up. Organizations understand the value of their offensive line. You cannot win without a good offense line. We have seen that over the last decade and a half or more when we haven't had a great offense line and we have not been able to put together enough wins or be physical and those kind of things. So for an offensive lineman, you, you understand or we understand we're not scoring touchdowns. We're not making sacks. 
you know, what stat does an offensive line have? Well, we have, did you give up any sacks? Did you get a hundred yard rushing? That's about it. But that's, nobody cares about that because if your running back runs for 150 yards, they're interviewing the running back, not the offensive line, and that's okay. We understand that it's a position where you're not going to get a lot of glory, but you will get recognized by other coaches, other general managers, your own team, and your peers. So going forward, like in this COVID era, what differences do you see just going forward in sports in general, like in the near future? Oh, that's a good question. Obviously, the NFL and uh, the NBA have been, what I would say to this point, the model for how professional sports can move forward, you know, keeping players and teams in a bubble-type atmosphere. Tons of testing is the huge part. And the responsibility that is thrust upon the shoulders of players, which is tough when you've got young kids coming out of college and having money for the first time and their, their teams are telling them, you, you got to go to practice and basically just go home. You can't go out. You can't enjoy yourselves. But so far, so good for the NFL and obviously the NBA. So I think until we have a vaccine that people deem safe and are willing to take or until we have an effective treatment, you're going to see this be the model for professional sports. And hopefully we'll get to the point where we, we can have some amount of fans in the stands. I know that Jacksonville has some in there today. I think there's one other team I could remember that has fans in the stands. Uh, today, Kansas City had some opening day. But to get back to where you can truly experience football the way we all love to with 60, 70, 80,000 fans and they're cheering you on in a home game. So, Mr. Sims, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the Gradient Podcast. Uh, before we go ahead and end this segment, is there any other final words you want to say to our listeners and anyone else out there? You know what, if you're, if you're a Dolphin fan, I know you guys have all had tremendous patience over the last two decades of the lack of success. I mean, myself, I have a son who's 23, and I promised him 15 years ago, when the Dolphins go to the Super Bowl, I'll take you. And obviously, that hasn't happened to this point yet. But hang in there. I think the I really firmly believe that for the first time in a long time, the organization is set up for success. They're doing a good job at trying to draft the players they need to put together the team to challenge. And it doesn't hurt that that guy in New England is now in Tampa Bay. So. And just have fun. You know what? Understand the players, they work their butt off. You, you have to understand the amount of sacrifice that players give. I mean, I played 11 seasons, and I just had my 18th surgery, had my knee, total knee replacement a year ago. So I feel the pain every single day of my time in the NFL because I never got hurt before I stepped on an NFL field. But if you ask us all, I would say 99% of us would do it all over again. That's incredible. Of course, uh, follow us on Instagram at Gradient Podcast, as well as on Twitter at Gradient Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, and you can see our beautiful faces. Go ahead and uh, click that like button and subscribe button. You know, you gotta you, you gotta say it every time. Uh, anything else you want to add there? Or? Can I add one thing? Go ahead. Okay, so, if you guys want to keep up with me and my family, we are known as Soulful RV Family. We uh, RV a lot. I tailgate. I take I homeschool my kids. We take them around the country. We're on the road a lot. So follow us on Soulful RV Family on Twitter, Facebook, or our blog, soulfulrvfamily.com. 
and you can follow our adventures. Hopefully, I'll be able to take the RV to a game this year. Looking forward to it. <laughs> years ago, hopefully, I'll be able to do it this year. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming, Mr. Thank Sims. Yeah, Absolute thank pleasure. you, guys. I appreciate it. It was fun. Now, what's the score? Did I check the updated score? That was a pretty good interview. Good, good job, us. We, I'm proud of that one. I, I think mean, we deserve <laughs> a little pat on the back. Yeah, looks a little pat. So that was a, that was a very good interview. Good, good job, us. Um, but in in all seriousness, um, if you enjoyed uh, listening to this episode of the Gradient Podcast, make sure to go ahead and follow us on our Instagram and Twitter at Gradient Podcast. If you are listening to us on YouTube and you can see us wearing our nice suit jackets for the first time, who knows? This, this might be a staple of the Gradient Podcast. Uh, go ahead and like and subscribe, comment and share if you want to. Anything uh, you can do to support us, if you wish, would be most appreciated. Fun fact, everything you see right here, those aren't just random letters and numbers. Those are all our social medias and our platforms if you want to follow us. It's even easier for you guys to see now. So it's underneath us. Don't forget it. And oh, yeah, the Facebook, Jayden too. Was... It's, it's there somewhere. <laughs> I think Jaden was very proactive and uh, developing his new segment. Would you like to pitch it? So I'm so glad I get the opportunity to, you know, share this too well you guys already know but share this to the people watching us now if you don't already watch us on youtube i definitely think you're going to want to tune in because we have some big things coming up in the future that's why we're so happy to announce our gradient spotlight the gradient spotlight is a chance for you guys to show us what you've got now how do you get into the gradient spotlight is pretty simple the first step is you need to be subscribed to our youtube we have so much stuff coming out on our youtube so much good content that is just waiting for you to watch now, secondly, you also need to follow our Instagram. And when you follow our Instagram, you're going to go straight to our bio. We will see the Google form for the spotlight. Now, on that form, you're going to answer a couple simple questions to tell us a little bit about yourself and why we should pick you for the Gradient Spotlight. Do you give back to your community? Are you extremely talented? Well, we want to know. If you get chosen for the Gradient Spotlight, well, congrats. You might have secured yourself a slot here on the Gradient YouTube channel. So with that being said, if you want a chance to be featured here, you got to make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow our Instagram, and definitely stay tuned for updates. Thanks for watching.